Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 33. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In this week's episode, as it is the first episode of the month, I will be sharing aviation news from the past month. Also in today's episode, I will be recapping this year's EAA AirVenture. Stay tuned for all this and more and Squawk 5353. Before we get started with this week's episode, I'd like to encourage you to donate to my Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a way for you to financially support the show. This show takes a lot of time each week to research, write, record, and edit. It would mean the world to me if you went over to my Patreon and donated to the show. A link to my Patreon can be found in the show notes. And now to today's episode, July Aviation News and EAA AirVenture. Our first story comes from GeneralAviationNews.com. Garmin SmartGlide helps in emergencies when your engine loses power. Garmin has introduced the SmartGlide, a new safety tool that helps pilots who have lost engine power by automating tasks to reduce the pilot's workload. In the event of the loss of an engine in a single-engine aircraft, the pilot faces a workload-intensive job of maneuvering the aircraft from its current position to a suitable airport. SmartGlide provides assistance by recommending a suitable airport estimated to be within the glide range, as well as providing critical information to the pilot and optimizing select avionic settings helping save the pilot's time and workload. When paired with a compatible Garmin Autopilot, SmartGlide can automatically engage the autopilot and pitch for the aircraft's best glide speed, while simultaneously navigating the aircraft within the vicinity of the selected airports so the airport can execute an approach and landing. In the event of engine loss in flight, pilots can activate SmartGlide with an optional dedicated SmartGlide button or by holding the Direct 2 button for 2 seconds to initiate the activation. Once activated, SmartGlide recommends an airport estimated to be within glide range and automatically creates a direct to route. SmartGlide considers several factors when choosing a recommended airport, including runway length and condition, proximity, terrain, and available weather information from sources such as FISB, SiriusXM, and Garmin Connect weather, in addition to current measured winds calculated by the primary flight display. If the aircraft is equipped with either a GTX-345 or a GTX-345R transponder or a GNX-375 acting as a transponder or a GSR-56, a GDL-69, a GDL-69-alpha with a weather subscription, SmartGlide can even consider VFR or IFR conditions when recommending the most suitable airport. Alternate airports within glide range can also be selected if the pilot desires. In the event that the system estimates that there is not an airport within glide range, SmartGlide provides an oral and visual alert to the pilot while continuing to search for an airport in range and automatically pitching for configured best glide speed in the aircraft equipped with compatible Garmin Autopilot. When SmartGlide has been activated, the system will alert the pilot with an oral message stating that SmartGlide is active while also providing quick reference to the selected airport within glide range in both bearing and distance to enhance situational awareness. SmartGlide also provides automated adjustment of select avionic settings, including the changing of the primary COM standby to the airport CTAF or tower and automatically switching the CDI to GPS mode. 
If the aircraft is equipped with a compatible Garmin transponder, SmartGlide also provides students with a shortcut to tune the transponder to squawk the 7700 emergency code. If the aircraft is equipped with a compatible Garmin Autopilot, SmartGlide activation will also automatically engage the Autopilot to pitch for best glide airspeed and activate GPS mode to enable navigation to the selected airport. When the aircraft is within 4 nautical miles of the selected airport, SmartGlide will alert the pilot that they are approaching the airport environment with both an oral alert and a visual banner. Within 2 miles of the airport, an audible airport position alert and flashing red alert displayed on the GTN XI will advise the pilot to resume control and begin maneuvering for landing. In the event of an off-airport landing, SmartGlide provides audible AGL alerts to help ensure the pilot is aware of the altitude while maintaining their focus on landing locations. In certified aircraft, SmartGlide will become available with the GTN XI series navigator paired with the compatible Garmin flight display, including the G500, the TXI G600, the TXI GI275 electronic flight instrument, the G3X Touch, or the G5 electronic flight instrument, with others to be added later. Compatible Garmin autopilots, such as the GFC500 or the GFC600, can be automatically engaged when SmartGlide is activated. For aircraft without compatible Garmin Autopilot, SmartGlide will provide critical information and features to help manage engine emergencies to help reduce the pilot workload. SmartGlide is expected to be available as a software update at no additional charge from Garmin on compatible systems in August of 2021. The activation button costs $129 plus the installation fee from your AMP. Our next story, 66,000 GA pilots flying under basic math a new report from the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, or AOPA, finds that more than 66,000 aviators are flying under basic med five years after the program was launched on May 1st of 2017. AOPA President Mark Baker said in a statement, quote, With hundreds of thousands of general aviation pilots in the United States, I am encouraged that we are experiencing the best safety numbers in years, even while the skies are busier than ever. The data clearly shows that basic med has undeniable success. Medical reform was a top priority for me as soon as I joined AOPA, and what we expected with these reforms has now come to fruition. I am so pleased that basic med is being embraced by pilots for its effectiveness." End quote. The AOPA Air Safety Institute reported that GA accident rate, based on the National Transportation Safety Board data, is at its lowest level in decades, continuing to drop every year since the 1990s. The fundamentals of basic MEND remain simple and straightforward. A pilot must have held a valid FAA medical certificate at least once since July 14, 2006, have not had the most recent medical application denied, and have not had the most recent authorization for special issuance withdrawn. In addition, the pilot must not have had or any change in mental health disorder, neurological disorder, or cardiovascular condition. Pilots who meet these conditions can elect their own state licensed physician or an FAA Aviation Medical Examiner or AME for exams every 48 months and then take an online medical education course every 24 months. The operational limits associated with basic med privileges include a maximum takeoff weight of 6,000 pounds, 250 knots indicated airspeed, altitudes up to 180 feet MSL, and no more than five passengers and a pilot in command. Mexico and the Bahamas have embraced basic med and allow U.S. pilots flying under this medical alternative to enter their airspace and land at their airports. 
General Aviation's advocacy groups are actively working to expand the acceptance of these reforms to other countries. Our final story, trying to make sense of the FAA's new policy on flight training. Officials with the Experimental Aircraft Association report they continue to, quote, push the FAA for a legitimate solution to the harm and confusion the agency has created with its recent interpretation involving compensated flight training in experimental, limited, and primary category aircraft. They later went on to say, quote, the FAA did an unexpected and stunning about-face from decades of standard policy with the change disregarding long-standing aviation safety practices, end quote. The new policy confirms the FAA's assertion that, without exception, no compensated flight training can take place in these aircraft categories without an exemption or letter of deviation authority. It also confirms the FAA's position that any instructor is operating an aircraft regardless of who rents it or otherwise uses the aircraft, and regardless of whether the use of the aircraft is compensated. Therefore, paying any instructor to provide training violates the language of FARS 91.315 91319A2, Experimental, and 91.325 Primary. This stunning turnabout means that tens of thousands of rule-abiding Warbird, Homebuilt, Vintage, and other pilots and instructors are instantly out of compliance with the Federal Aviation Regulations. The FAA's only acknowledgement of this radical change for the GA community was the statement, quote, The FAA acknowledges that the disconnect between the regulations and guidance to inspections has caused confusion in the industry. End quote. Along with this new legislation, there is also a new July 12th directive to unpack. According to the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, the FAA is prosecuting flight instructors who volunteered their time instructing in limited category aircraft and didn't receive a penny for doing so, arguing their volunteers had received compensation. While pilots and flight instructors receiving and giving instruction in standard category aircraft are not affected by this recent move, it's a roadblock for those seeking instruction in these three specific categories of aircraft, potentially causing some to forego proper training and therefore impacting safety. Many people in the industry, including the Flight School Association of North America, are concerned that this legislation is actually going to reduce safety for operators in these aircraft if suddenly people are forced to train in aircraft that they are unfamiliar with. The owner of an experimental aircraft or flight instructor would simply need to provide the requisite information for the Federal Registry Notice to the email linked in the show notes. Once received, it will be processed in days and the applicant will receive their signed LOTA from his or her respective Flight Standards District Office or FISDO. This legislation has the opportunity to increase prices, decrease safety, and overall decrease the amount of people who are able to receive flight training. And now to talk about this year's EAA AirVenture. More than 600,000 people converged to Oshkosh, Wisconsin for EAA AirVenture Oshkosh 2021, according to EAA officials. About 608,000 people went through the gates for the big show. Only the third time attendance was surpassed by 600,000, EAA officials reported. They added this number is within 5% of the 2019's record attendance. EAA CEO Jack Pelton said in a statement, quote, we went into this year not knowing what AirVenture would look like and how big of an event it was possible. The aviation community spoke loudly though, it was ready to come to Oshkosh and we were happy to welcome them. He went on to say, There was joy and excitement throughout the grounds and it set the stage for a return of AirVenture, making us very excited for the future." Quote. Some of the statistics from this year's show. 
more than 10,000 aircraft arrive at Whitman Regional Airport in Oshkosh and other airports in east-central Wisconsin. At Whitman alone, there were 16,378 aircraft operations in the 10-day period from July 22nd to July 31st, which is an average of approximately 116 takeoffs and landings per hour when the airport was open. The show planes totaled about 3,176, which included a record 1,420 vintage aircraft plus 1,089 home-built aircraft, 354 warbirds, 148 aerobatic aircraft, 112 seaplanes, 33 ultralights, and 27 rotorcraft. More than 12,000 campsites were accounted for, with an estimated total of 40,000 campers, with more than 5,000 volunteers, which contributed more than 250,000 hours. Despite travel restrictions that limited the number of attendees from other nations, EAA still welcomed visitors from 66 countries. The EAA Aviation Foundation's annual event to support its aviation education programs attracted more than 500 people and raised more than $1.7 million. As for the media, there were 567 media representatives from four different continents. Nearly 19 million people were reached by EAA's social media channels during AirVenture. Looking ahead at next year's EAA AirVenture, it will take place from July 25th to July 31st. Planning is well underway for next year's event, including discussions during AirVenture 2021 about possible features and attractions for the year 2022. CEO Jack Pelton said in a statement, quote, We also look forward to welcoming more international visitors next year to return to AirVenture to a truly global reunion. In the next few months, we will be finalizing highlights in all areas to make the 69th EAA Flying Convention the world's greatest aviation celebration, end quote. I had the opportunity this year of meeting so many amazing people at EAA AirVenture, with a special recognition for the folks at Piper Aircraft and all the members of the National Gay Pilots Association. I also had the opportunity to fly into Oshkosh this year. Although stressful, it was still an amazing experience. Being prepared for the arrival was incredibly important, and it greatly increased the safety of flight. This year I attended many forums, ranging from foreflight to engine loss on takeoff, or ILS approaches, and the new Garmin Autopilot systems. To all the employees and volunteers who made this year's EAA AirVenture possible, I would like to extend a thank you for all the work that you did to make this year so great. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, please consider donating to my Patreon. A link to my Patreon can be found in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to all the resources used in today's episode. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to share it with a friend, and also subscribe to this podcast so that new episodes are automatically downloaded to your device. Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, and let's make the skies a safer place. Music